Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Spirit of Life in Ibiza podcast. We are sat here today at the top of Atlantis, next to a beautiful piece of spiral land art, which was built by a local resident who lived here in Atlantis in one of the caves for seven years. He built this incredible piece of art using stone from around the area, and it has been built in relation to the mathematical pattern of Fibonacci and the golden ratio, which are patterns that could be found throughout all of nature. According to Gatto, a nature guide here in Ibiza, the curator of the piece no longer lives on the island, but despite the artwork being regularly trashed by visitors to the site, it always seems to get rebuilt again. It's like a living piece of art, he says. Atlantis, as it was nicknamed by hippies in the 60s, is not actually the real Atlantis that sunk 13,000 years ago, but instead is a quarry whose stones were used to build Ibiza Old Town. This may not be the real Atlantis, but my guest today, Lena Sophia, is a real, live, traditional, initiated Mayan priestess who received her training and initiation in the sacred lands of Guatemala. Lena also has a master's degree in somatic counselling psychology, is a trauma healer, a certified yoga teacher and therapist, as well as a mindfulness and meditation instructor. With over 25 years experience and using all of her many skills, she elegantly weaves together indigenous wisdom teachings, shamanism, psychology, yoga and mindfulness into her classes and workshops. So welcome to the show, Lena. I think this is going to be an interesting one. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you for bringing me here. Right now we're sitting next to the spiral and there's a beautiful view of the ocean and these white cliffs in front of us. And it's quite warm for the middle of December. So it's so nice to be here and not be cold. <laughs> well, I'm very grateful that you came because I, I know I actually dragged you halfway across the island to come here. Um, but I would just say, think yourself lucky that I didn't make you actually do the trek down to Atlantis as well. Yeah, I heard it's quite um, treacherous on the way down and the way up. <laughs> Yeah, I did it in the middle of summer and that is a move I will not be doing again. <laughs> we just had a beautiful yoga class together this morning. And I had the pleasure of being in Lena's ceremonial Hatha yoga class. It's such a beautiful, such a beautiful class because, as I said in the introduction there, you weave all of these different gifts and talents that you have and these different kind of teachings and wisdom into, into the class. And for me, that's so important because... I don't always connect to yoga in, in the normal sense. I always feel that Western yoga seems to be lacking that spiritual practice. It's, it's a physical exercise and there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, you know, people, many people get amazing things out of that. But for me personally, I feel when I do a yoga class, I need that spiritual practice there as well. And I get that with Kundalini yoga, but I haven't had it with anything else. And so to, to come to this island, connect with you and to, and to have the pleasure to experience one of your classes, it's been really quite beautiful. And I've been feeling quite blocked recently. The full moon's been quite an intense one. I'm not long back from spending a week in London. And the energy in, in London is very different to the energy over here. It can be quite stagnant and sticky and heavy. So I've felt quite out of my flow since being back. And uh, yeah, I've just obviously experienced your class this morning. And uh, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling like I'm a little bit more in the flow. But we'll see how this podcast flows. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> So I would love to hear how this path of working with healing and consciousness started and unfolded for you. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Right. Well, um, I think to adequately tell this story, I have to go back all the way to when I was 15 years old. And this is when early 90s. And um, you're as old as me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're as young as you. Yes. <laughs> and um, at that time, I was a quite a sensitive teenager and um, started to get really sad and I would call it a depression um, or an existential crisis and being a sensitive teenager I w had my eyes quite open to the way that we were destroying the planet um, I was quite sensitive to the movements of materialism consumerism and without being exposed to indigenous knowledge and wisdom there was some just some part of my inner knowing that just knew that indigenous people from all over the world knew how to live more in harmony with Mother Nature and all living things. And there was, of course, also the sense that all is alive, even the rocks, the plants, the elements. Um, there's this consciousness of the Father Sky and the Mother Earth. And I just wasn't seeing that kind of consciousness reflected around me. 
and slowly started really suffering as a teenager um, and didn't want to grow up in this world. Um, recently, we've been talking about um, there was this huge flare in the media around the Amazon jungle burning down. But this is the, what I was crying over when I was 15 years old, that we were already slashing and burning and destroying this beautiful, precious jewel that we have on the planet already back then. And so I would say what happened to me wasn't just like a chemical imbalance in my brain, which what, what a normal psychiatrist would maybe say. I was having a, a spiritual initiation that usually starts with a descent into the underworld or some type of crisis, illness, or loss, or yeah, some kind of dark night of the soul. And I didn't realize it then. And actually, it was only when I started studying psychology and mythology and the archetypal shamanic path later in my life that I realized, wow, that is what happened to me when I was 15, 16 years old, is that I was actually being naturally initiated into a spiritual dimension, into an awakening process without even knowing it. And it started with just deep suffering and not wanting to live. Um, I hit rock bottom and um, very, very dark and a lot of suffering. And then once you hit that dark place, and I actually, I would, I'll be honest, I tried taking my life. And that, I think that was like the rock bottom place and I didn't die. And so eventually what started happening was I started to have a gradual, gradual awakening. It started with Mother Nature. I lived in um, the forest and so every day... I started just feeling the spirit of the forest calling me. And I started to take very long walks. Sometimes I would even sleep in the forest. I would be gone for days um, and started communing with nature. And there I started to see that um, something was going on. And I had many ex mystical experiences with animals actually coming up to me or circling around my head like eagles or hawks up in the sky or deer coming to me and again without even being exposed to indigenous wisdom or north and native american indian wisdom because i was living in the united states at that time i just knew i knew something about it and i knew something about how to live in harmony with nature and it was just strange because i was living in a western modern society that wasn't doing that so someone told me about a meditation and a visualization of I'm visualizing a light moving through your body. And I had never heard of anything this, like this before. So I think at this point I was 17 years old and I decided to try it out in a rock concert. <laughs> Interesting location for that. <laughs> right, of all places. And I didn't have to try it all. The light became real right away and I didn't even have to move it. It, it moved itself. And I would say this was a 20-second experience that changed the rest of my life. So um, I was still kind of numb and at this time in my life and not totally inspired, but there was some sense that there's, I was coming back to life. And then with this light, it became real. It moved in through my heart and out through my belly. It just kind of like swished through me. And when it left me, I opened my eyes and I started crying in there in the middle of the all of these people listening to this rock band. Um, was the music that bad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I started crying because I just knew at that moment I had a soul. I didn't know I had a soul. And when I knew I had a soul, I just knew that there was meaning to life. And that meant I had a destiny and there was a purpose to me being here. And then from then on, I chose to walk a spiritual path. Well, thank you for sharing that with us and, and particularly, you know, the personal detail of you trying to take your own life. It's, it's something um, I actually spoke a little bit in my first podcast about my journey, uh, about how I felt very suicidal as well. And it was just this massive disconnect to, to this, this, this world, this planet that we live on and disconnect to, to everything that was going on around. And um, yeah, I, I, I had the same I had the same thoughts and feelings. And it, it's just something I think there's, there's a lot of people who feel this disconnect and a lot of people who are suffering for it. And so I guess part of the reasons for these podcasts and part of the reasons for the work that, that both you and I are doing and many other people like us out there are doing is to support people through some of these feelings of disconnection and the suffering that they're feeling right now because we understand it and we've, we've been there ourselves. Uh, so yeah thank you for sharing that personal detail with us so you had this incredible experience in a rock concert where you recognized you had a soul what happened after that what was the next stage of the journey for you 
Right. So there's a lot of things, but I'm not going to spare all the details. But just in general, then I was just much more inspired to live. And then I, I sought spirituality um, in all forms. So then I started studying what we kind of all kind of maybe start out with is like kind of maybe maybe some new age things, um, also some occult old occult knowledge, um, tarot cards, hypnotherapy, yoga, tai chi. And when it came to the fact that I could actually begin to study somewhere, I just knew that I wanted to choose a university or a place to study that um, where I could find people like me. So what I ended up seeking was the Native American, or it's called the Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then I ended up moving to the Southwest, and there I was one of the few European, or the only European woman in all Native American school. And there, um, the Red Road opened up to me. So this is basically, the Red Road is the Native American spirituality, way of life, way of being in the world, way of praying, a spirituality that exists in North America and Central and South America. So that opened up for me living in the Southwest, and um, it led me to sweat lodge ceremonies, the Native American church, which is a peyote church, um, Sundance ceremonies. I became a Sundancer. May I ask what happens in a peyote church? Yeah, so the North American Indians have made an official church along with the government so that they have a right to take a sacrament, which is a cactus called peyote. It actually comes from Mexico or the lower lower part of Texas, but they made it into official church so they have a right to ingest this plant. And the ceremonies are in a teepee, so the, the church is the teepee, and the focus in the center is the fire. And we're working with the elements um, and praying and um, singing and communing with the Great Spirit the whole evening. So there's many layers and, and it's a very beautiful, um, well thought out ceremony. But it's for healing and it's for connecting to who you are or sometimes even for celebration for birthdays or weddings. But whoever comes to those ceremonies, they experience a type of um, healing, letting go, um, looking into their soul. They often say that the grandfather, Peyote, that he has a manner of teaching you under the course of the evening and during the ceremony how to live a dignified life, how to correct your life, how to find a good road for you to walk in, um, to, to yeah, live in harmony again. I think if we had those kinds of churches in, uh, in the Western society, more people would go. <laughs> right, yeah, it's much more interesting. <laughs> but like you said, it is, it's a healing experience. It's, uh, you know, it's something that, uh, that needs to be respected. Uh, and I'm assuming this isn't something that they do every Sunday like we do in Western culture. <laughs> Right. I mean, I'm sure every weekend across the United States that there is um, a Native American church ceremony. But in general, I would say, depending on where you live, but you could you could do it every weekend if you want, or it's once a month or once a year. Or often I was just participating three, four times a year, kind of just to kind of commune again with myself and cleanse out things that I accumulated. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. If you could continue with the journey of the Red Road, that would be very interesting to hear. Right. Yeah, so I was living down in the Southwest and being exposed to all of these beautiful indigenous ceremonies. And eventually, then I also knew that I wanted to, at that time, it became very clear for me that I wanted to study indigenous wisdom, ancient forms of healing, and modern day psychology. But I also, with along with the modern day psychology, I wanted to be a little bit twisted that it wasn't so mainstream. So I was lucky enough to study um, at a Buddhist university where I studied Buddhist psychology, transpersonal psychology, and somatic psychology at Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, which is quite an amazing place to um, receive your education. And, and while I was doing that, I was also always on the side receiving initiations through vision quest ceremonies or being a sun dancer or, for example, at a young age before ayahuasca was trendy and known about. Um, over 20 years ago, I studied with a shaman and lived with him. And, and he also isolated me for two weeks. I couldn't talk to anyone for two weeks. I couldn't, there was no music, there was no books. I was just alone in a hut, only leaving the hut to go to ceremony. And those type of initiation ceremonies are what brought me onto this path of initiation, of understanding the, the power of the plants, the power of 
prayer, the power of intent, and the power of ceremonies to heal us and bring us back into harmony. So that has been my path since then of um, bridging maybe alternative Western psychology <laughs> and and the yeah indigenous wisdom and um, and ancient ways of of healing and finding harmony in body mind spirit. I think that bridge is a really important thing because you know we we're, we're quite far removed Western to Eastern philosophy or Western to indigenous philosophy. And so I think sometimes for people who are used to living in the Western world, when they're presented with something that's so unusual to them, it can be quite difficult for, for them to get their head around it or to accept that. But when you, um, when you act as a bridge and bring all these different philosophies together, it's much easier for people to relate to. So whilst we're on the subject of indigenous healing traditions, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about how you became initiated as a fire and water priestess in the Mayan tradition. Right, yeah, and Mayan astrologer. So, um, yes, in 2010 and 11, I was down in Guatemala for uh, a period of time. And um, there, so there's two paths. There's the water. I received a water altar and a fire altar. Um, Just for the sake of keeping it simple, I think I'll just, because they're quite similar. And a lot of the initiation entails the same thing. And um, just for the sake of simplicity, I'll just focus on the fire. Um, But what what the initiation um, really entailed was doing a series of 20 fire ceremonies um, throughout Guatemala at different altars. And Guatemala is quite amazing because if you, you know, you just walk off the road into a cornfield, um, past some rocks, and then all of a sudden there's an old Mayan altar there. And there's people doing fire ceremonies on an everyday basis. Or we go to obvious places where there's temples like the pyramids and um, different sacred sites. But the whole country is just full of amazing places to do ceremony. And um, so it entailed doing those 20 ceremonies. Why 20 fire ceremonies? Because there's 20 spirits within the Mayan sacred calendar. And so that sacred number of 20 comes up a lot for the Mayans. So the whole process entailed getting to know the Mayan spirits, which are living archetypal beings that are often represented by um, an animal or a spirit of nature. And they have a teaching for us. So basically, as a psychologist, I began to really see that these 20 spirits have a way for us to connect with them and to learn how to what I call rectify our spirit and being again to come back into harmony with our true nature and to kind of correct ourselves to refine balance and harmony again and so you the initiation entails getting to know these spirits learning how to count the days of the the Mayan sacred calendar the ceremonial calendar because the Mayans actually have more than they have actually 20 calendars so we're just dealing with one of the 20 here and um yeah, receiving all the the oral tradition, the 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 wisdom that that gets passed down through experience, that gets passed down as we're doing the ceremony. Um, along with this path, you also learn to divine through these sacred seeds. You receive a, a sacred bag when you get initiated, and you can always use that. So, in in Guatemala, people go to a Mayan fire priest or priestess to receive answers. through divination or through mine astrology, which is another part of the path. So I also had to um, really get intimate with the 13 numbers of the sacred calendar, the 20 spirits, and um, 13 times 20 makes 260 days of the whole sacred calendar year. And to really know what what it means in order to be able to read someone's astrology chart or to know what the essence of each day is or to develop a relationship with the spirit so when I'm doing the fire ceremony for healing for someone or for allowing people to come back into harmony again that I have a deep connection with those spirits I can call upon them I know what they mean I can invite them into the ceremony so people can make offerings to them and ask for help. So what kind of information would people receive from you in a Mayan astrology reading? Yeah, so it's it's quite beautiful in Guatemala. Like every time like a child is born, you would look at their astrology, like knowing that on this day was this spirit, and that means that this child has this talent in the physical world, the material world. This this child has a talent 
in the spiritual world and this is their destiny and so on and so forth. So you kind of guide the child knowing what they came in with, which is so beautiful, right? That really is beautiful. I've, I've actually, on one of my other podcasts, I've actually spoken about how in our schooling system we don't do this. We don't nurture the child at their natural with their natural gifts. Instead, we disconnect them and try and get them to be good at maths and science. And uh, yeah, so to hear that, it's uh, that's that's music to my ears. I have to say. Yeah, I wish we had all received this, you know. Um, but what I find that when I give them my astrology readings, that the people here in modern day society, what they're receiving is is a kind of like. An aha. They they receive this sense of like, oh, this is why my life has been like this, or this is why I'm like this. And and what I like to invite in is a certain softening around who they are as a being and an accept self acceptance and 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 also just acceptance around that things are like this, right? So some of the information they receive is is um, of course the 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 spirit energy of the day they are born and their nawal. So this is kind of, again, referring to the Mayan spirits as nawales. And so you, you have a whole family of nawales that, um, that are it's centered around your main sign. And so from there, they, you also receive um, information around um, your essence, your destiny, where you're going towards, what the first 13, of your li- 13 years of your life was about, childhood. Um, yeah, your gifts within the material world, your gifts within the spiritual world. What you're carrying also um, in the DNA of your masculine side from your family line, from your ancestors, but also from your own personal masculine side what you are carrying on this in the same manner from the feminine lineage and the feminine DNA, who your guardians are. So how do you differentiate what the gifts are in the spirit world versus what they are in the physical world? Right. So the material gifts is what you would be using, like, for example, in your career and projects and collaborating with other people. You think of all of these external structures that we have in society. And some people even really get insight to what the direction they their talents as far as a career direction or um yeah what they're really good at as far as building things in this world whether it's just a family or a business or whatever it could be and then the 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 spiritual world abilities are a little bit more of your your inner it's more about your inner psychic talents your your ability to connect to the inner dimensions of spirit. This is again is something that really doesn't get emphasized in our Western culture. It's like that you, you're not just here to be a, a, a being making money in a, a system of materialism and consumerism. We also came here for um, a spiritual purpose. We have a destiny to fulfill, and so it's kind of tuning into that. What 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 what's your what's your talent and what is your ability in the unseen world? you know, that which we're not activating on an everyday basis, but it's always there, right? We're just not cultivating it so much in the Western structure. And this is probably the very essence of what is causing so much disharmony and unbalance within our Western society. I totally agree. And that is also why I suffered as a teenager, because I was I was being pressed into consumeristic, materialistic society where I didn't see any respect for living beings or nature and there was no spirituality for me. You know, I grew up in kind of like a non-religious family. And so there was no sense of settling into anything beyond the 3D world. So I totally agree that that's just, this is like, it's honoring both worlds. This is part of the harmony and balance is that we're not just relating to what we can physically see, but we're also relating to what is be- beyond what we can see. And some people have the ability to see it, right? <laughs> just that most people are walking around not seeing that there is like a life force behind all that lives. And this is the essence behind indigenous wisdom and the indigenous way of seeing things. And I would say that all people on the earth have a connection to indigenous wisdom and ancestry. If you go back far enough here also in Europe um, as Europeans, we also have an indigenous background where our ancestors were respecting all life and not destroying the planet and working with the four directions and seeing the elements as living beings and having ceremony. We've certainly forgotten most of it now, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Is there anything else about the Mayan astrology reading that you would like to share? Yeah, so um, what I find to be the most moving for people is um, at the end of the reading, I do what's called a Mayan pyramid. And this is where I can see where the missing pieces are for a being. And I tune into, I find out where their holes are. So we all have holes. And some of these holes, this is like what I'm referring to is like where we fall in life, where we trip up again and again, the repeating patterns, like the thing that we're like, again, I can't believe this is happening again. And so I, I reveal to them that we often have, not everybody, but we often have two that are more like mental illusions, traps that we don't really need to spend our time on because it's like we, the energy is there. Like it's, it's there. You're just not seeing it. And then we often always, all of us have two really holes, like black holes where it's just the energy is missing. And this is what, this is kind of like your soul's purpose. You're, you came here to fill these holes. And I find that people find an immense amount of relief to know that this is part of their work. This is part of the work that that thing that keeps them repeating is not a curse. There's nothing wrong with them. This is actually what you came here to work out. And so, yeah, I love giving these readings because I find that people really receive a lot of clarity about who they are as a being and what they're moving into as far as their destiny, the elder years. And um, yeah, how they can relax a little bit more around what's happening to them and know what's worth focusing on, right? Well, that actually sounds like very invaluable support because um, I think that is the problem for a lot of us. We just feel lost in the lives we're living. We don't know what our purpose is. We don't understand we have a destiny. Um, we kind of end up just doing the things that society deem for us and then feeling frustrated and disconnected, as we mentioned before. Um, so to have that kind of that advice, that insight, that support. Um, yeah, I just think that's invaluable. Yeah, I completely agree. And this is really also connecting to what I was talking about before around initiation is like, and again, so I was talking about my first initiation that happened naturally through a dark night of the soul and, and a really a dark trial in my life. And I think a lot of people out there are probably maybe going through this now, um, a depression, a suffering, a loss of someone they loved or something that has totally catapulted them into oh my gosh, what do I do now? Can I go on? And, and this kind of internal crisis. So there's that type of initiation. And I just want to really like send out a message to, to people who might be feeling this right now that there's a purpose to it. And, and it's actually going through that dark night of the soul, that dark tunnel, that unknown place. You do come out the other end with much more power and wisdom. And this is the essence of initiation ceremonies. So Yes, I received my first one naturally through um, a descent into the underworld through depression. But the other ones that I received through initi being initiated, they all required me to undergo some type of trial. Four days, four nights, alone, up in the mountain, sleeping, wondering if the bear is going to come or a coyote, no food, no water, having to experience extreme thirst or hunger or no food, no water underneath the Sundance ceremony where you're dancing underneath the hot July sun in the middle of the Arizona de desert. You know, it's like this, this sense of like finding all your spiritual resources and power and intent within to go on through something that is incredibly difficult. And um, there's so many other ways of being initiated. Whether it happens to you because you actually go through, um, go to a ceremony or go get get initiated in some form it's also happening to us through these these crises that we're having um in general well that sounds incredibly intense and uh yeah i'm really glad you touched on the crisis that people are having in general because there, there has been this huge awakening that's happening at the moment um december 21st 2012 was a big was a big date in what was supposedly the mayan calendar um, I remember I didn't I, I was I was waking up myself in 2012 uh, this is when I was actually I was traveling in South and Central America and had some very very powerful experiences and I heard the Mayans are predicting the end of the world 
And of course, that wasn't what it was. That was a complete misrepresentation by the Western, by the Western world or a complete misunderstanding by the Western world of what was being said. My take on it was it was the end of the world as we know it because we're going into this different, this new cycle, if you like, and this, 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 this new cycle of this conscious awakening that appears to be happening. It was very powerful for me. On 21st of December 20, 2012, I actually flew from BPM Festival in Mexico over to an orphanage that I was volunteering in, in Ecuador. And I didn't realise the significance of it then until literally I'm, I'm only realising the significance now, but it was like me starting the journey of moving away from my old life and into my new life. So it was very significant for me that date. And I was very much able to feel the energy shift within me and around me. But I know there's probably some stuff that you'd like to clear up around the Mayan calendar there, because as I say, it was, it was, it, I know it was a misrepresentation of what the Mayans were actually suggesting. Yeah, so yeah, there was a lot of confusion about um, that whole 2012 shift. So for the Mayans, um, time is a circle. It's circular, it's spiral, um, it doesn't, it's not linear. And there's, there's, again, I mentioned there's 20 calendars and they're all connected. Um, and it, what happened was it was a closing of a cycle. It wasn't the end of the world and there was no ending of anything. It was just the ending of a cycle and it, and it has continued. So that it was a sacred calendar that c came to a certain closing of a cycle and then it just continues like life goes on. Life is internal. Everything continues. Just like you were saying before, the way that this Fibonacci sequence in the spiral here next to us is, you know, that whole sequence, that whole mathematical formula is seen in all of nature. It's repeated again and again. And the spiral, the Mayan see time as a spiral. The, the galaxy forms into a spiral. If we look into the fractal nature of life, we see these repeating patterns, you know. And so the Mayan calendar is the, the Mayans in general were excellent mathematician, excellent astronomers. They were in tune and um, recording these various cycles of, of many, many forms. They weren't just p paying attention to the ceremonial, the more sacred spiritual energies of the days. They were also paying attention to the cycle of the sun, which was their agricultural calendar. They were also paying attention to Venus, to Mars, to the Cyrus star system, to so many other things that they were measuring. So the Westerners saw, like the Western form of thought kind of, we, we have this idea of apocalypse and the end of the world. And so somehow that confusion happened um, and people were getting very geared up to that there was gonna be yeah, the end of the world. And what really was happening is that we were having a, a, a shift of energy. We were entering a, a new cycle. And this new cycle has a lot to do with awakening. Awakening, remembering who we are. Um, the planet is a living sentient being and she's part of this. She's also awakening. We're awakening with her. She's awakening us. Um, and it goes way beyond the humans on this planet um, and this planet itself. This is a cosmic event. This is a galactic event. It may even, you know, be beyond this galaxy into the universe. You know, everything is connected and everything is one and everything affects each other. So what is happening, um, and this has been happening since, you know, gradually but there's been this slowly opening of, of a celestial cosmic energies coming towards the earth from I would say the late 80s and it's just been increasing and 2012 was a was a marking point and we're still in it now there's a acceleration of time there's a blending of the dimensions there's um increasing amount of energy coming from the the center of our galaxy it's being pulsed through our sun through the solar storms and the solar flares, there's this is all this this is this activation and awakening of life, and that's what happened. It was a markation in 2012 that 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 was there was like a another layer of it awakening, increasing, opening up. That's all that that was about. <laughs>
Well, thank you for clearing that up. And I have to say, I, I can't imagine there's many people who aren't feeling this shift at the moment. And I, th I don't think necessarily everybody is feeling it on a conscious level or understanding what it is that they're going through. But, you know, people have been really shaken up. This year in particular seems to have been a big one for people. There's been, like you mentioned, there's been these waves over time and 2012 has been a significant, a significant, not starting point, but a significant place where people have really started, where many people are starting to notice the shift. But this year I know has been a difficult one for many people, myself included, even though I went through a huge shift in 2012 and have continued to be going through that shift. Uh, but this year was, was a tough one for me. I just felt like it just kept coming and coming and coming. But I also noticed from speaking to other people that many, many people were really feeling like they were just having the shit shaken out of them, to be honest. And that's something I'd actually really like to talk about because, you know, when you don't understand what's going on, that can be very scary. Uh, when, you can't see, when you can't see that this is about ascension, it's very scary. But uh, what's actually happening here is the, the earth is starting to shift to this higher vibration. And we as humans need to shift with it. We need to match the vibration of the earth. So we're unable to match that vibration and shift with the vibration of the earth if we are still carrying all of the heavy energy, if we're still bogged down with all of our past demons, etc. So for us to be able to move into that, we, we have to let it go. And that's kind of what's happening at the moment is, as I said, we're, we're having the shit shaken out of us quite literally to be able to move and to be able to, to go through that ascension. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for mentioning that because there's also this sense of um, confusion around ascension. That's also another thing is that also moving up into 2012 and still it's, it's happening. There's this idea this strange idea that ascension is about leaving the planet or going somewhere or it's ascension is a natural birthright we have to evolve into a higher frequency and to claim more and remember more of who we are. It's a, it's a, it's a natural evolution and we're not going anywhere. It's happening right here, right now. And um, yes, I totally agree the acceleration, so you think that everything is energy, everything is light, everything is also a mathematical formula, everything's a sound, everything's a geometric pattern, right? It's all connected. And so there's an acceleration that's activating in our cells and in our physical being, our mental being, emotional being, our spiritual being. And that activation, yeah, is bringing the dross, that what is as heavy in our spirit, old karma, old, old things that are not working anymore, density it's arising within us and that's what's making that's what's causing people to have these crises and we panic we freak out we think oh no we just wanted things to be the same we just wanted to maintain the status quo but actually we're going to be better off through again and again it's I emphasize going through the darkness going through that trial letting your life fall apart, losing your job, like relationships are falling apart and people are clinging on. If we could just loosen up and let go of the grip a little bit and allow these things that are maybe not serving us to be released from us. So yes, I totally agree. It's like the, the density coming up, the we need more light within the more light you bring in the more density that's going to come up <laughs> and so it's just this this process and there's no way out of it it's, it's it's probably sometimes better just to kind of surrender and to go with that with go with the flow of it and this is what it's about this is what ascension is not glorious and beautiful it's sometimes really extremely painful and takes a lot of personal work but resisting it causes even more pain yeah, we have a very natural fear of change, but often what's on the other side of change is what leads us to, to walk in the path towards our dreams. But we do have to do the work, as you said, and uh, I've struggled and fought against it for, for a long time, um, even you know way before the 2012. I, I've been working on my demons for a very, very, very long time, and uh, surrendering is something that I found very difficult, but uh, I, I learnt... Not very quick. I was going to say I learned very quickly, not very quickly at all. But I learned that resistance is futile, and the more you resist, the more pain it brings. And so that's kind of again part of what I want to be able to put out there is just to help people to understand this, to know that what they're going through 
is as you said it's something that has to be gone through but it's all for the greater good and um, I think when you understand that it doesn't make it less difficult or painful what you're going through but when you when you understand or can see that there's that light at the end of the tunnel you know what you're working towards and you know that really you're working towards a better future for all it's you know it's it's, in the initial part is a better future for yourself but by us all taking these steps by us all ascending by us all lifting our vibration we are creating a better future for for the whole of humanity yeah and this is i really believe this is archetypally built into our nature and you see it reflected in all myths you know in, in many legends throughout time this is the hero's journey you know this is this is the archetypal journey we've been going on again and again throughout centuries and centuries of time and it's it's really happening now for us because it's it's, it's this time it's time for us to wake up to how we are treating ourselves how we are treating each other how we're treating mother earth and all beings and aligning ourselves more into authenticity and harmony and love and consciousness versus destruction and um, yeah, basically the destruction of a beautiful humanity, a beautiful planet, you know, a beautiful life, a beautiful life force energy. So with all that being said, there's a lot of support that's needed for people right now. And I know this is the kind of work that you're doing. So could you maybe give us a little bit of an idea about how some of your practices could help people? Yes, I'd love to. So speaking about destiny and the why the reason why we're here like it's been made very clear to me that this is why I came to the planet is to be here at this time and to help people and that perhaps that I um, had this awakening and this suffering and this crisis not that I still don't have suffering and crises I definitely do tell me about it yeah <laughs> But at a young age, so I was prepared for um, and maybe a little bit like experienced with these things to help other people. And so what I see um, people really receiving a lot from in my private practice, um, which I have two. One is more, you know, psychotherapy, yoga oriented, self-developmental workshop oriented. And the other one is more shamanic. But as far as the, the, the first one with the more the psychotherapy, I find that mindfulness-based um, psychology or psychotherapy, especially when it um, is somatically based, somatic experiencing, is really the way to go because we can't constantly talk our way out of our problems. We need to drop down into the body and to feel the energy of the emotion or the complex that we're dealing with. And again, this is the same thing that I was talking about going through the dark night of the soul or the dark tunnel to come out the other side. This is the same thing. It's like when we're up in the head or up in the cognitive mental realms all the time, we're not feeling our body. Then we're most likely not connected to the feeling of the motion and where that's vibrating in the body. Therefore, then we're not even connected to the energy and then we don't transmute. We can't heal. We can't change. So it's all about transmutation of energy. So I do this in my um, somatic experiencing or somatic psychotherapy practice. I help people do that. And some people just want like that kind of work, that kind of they feel safe in those kind of um, structures. I even do it with yoga sometimes. Like when I, um, like you experienced this morning, that some of my practices that I really um, invite people to be very present. And then I do, I, I, have created this ceremonial hatha yoga, right? Where I'm fusing ceremony and yoga together, where you can have this energy shift, a transformational shift through the yoga class, where it's not just about physically moving, like you mentioned before. And then I also do that through the fire and the water ceremonies or Mayan cleansing ceremonies, which I also do in my private practice. So just for example, that we were focusing on the fire ceremonies before, this is like where I encourage people to seek indigenous wisdom, real shamans, real indigenous um, knowledge based on thousands and thousands of years of tradition because it carries a certain field. There's a certain spiritual energy and tradition behind and power behind these ceremonies that help us shift and again transmute the energy. Same thing. But I do it with the same thing with the, the fire ceremonies where it's like an alchemical fire, right? Where we're invoking the four directions, we are coming with offerings in prayers. I'm invoking the 20 spirits of the Nawalis, the Mayan spirits, again, which are 
which I see as a, as a psychologist linked to the 20 archetypes of our human being. You know, if we really can live these and remember these 20 spirits and live them through us, well, then we are aligning to our true authentic self. We are aligning to love. We are aligning and creating a beautiful white, white road of light in front of us. So within the fire ceremonies, people make offerings. They have their intentions. If you want to call it prayers, it doesn't matter if it's prayer intention. It's the same thing that we're coming to a sacred fire and we are transmuting energy. What happens also in the fire ceremony is that there's different timelines that we have. We came in with one timeline, our destiny. And we, we're, the, the world is very distracting. We were together in the, receiving some of the Dogon wisdom here in Ibiza, and they were talking about that we have a destiny, right? And then the distractions of the Western modern world are bringing us away from our destiny. We got cut up in gadgets and think we need to be this top career person and this and this and that. And we actually forgot that we actually came here for a spiritual purpose, which might just be waking up. It doesn't have to be that complicated or grandiose. Just remembering who you are. Simply walking the, the path of the soul instead of society's path. Yeah, or your ego, right? And so what that's what happens in the ceremonies is that there's this alignment, again, to the original timeline and kind of like, again, what I call rectification through the power of the fire, the earth, the water, the air, through the invocation of an ancient tradition and these spirits that are here to help us. And change happens. It's actually pure magic. It's, it's alchemy. You can actually shift the circumstances of your life. And as quantum physics um, and reality has shown us, now modern science is catching up to what many of the ancient people have said, that the past, present, and future exist simultaneously. So through the present moment and through such a powerful ceremony like the fire ceremony, you can touch your past and shift it, and you can shift your future through the present moment, through the portal of the fire. So that's some of my favorite work of helping people shift and transmute shamanically through the fire ceremonies. I was actually lucky enough to have done a Mayan water ceremony with you, which was, um, which was actually very beautiful. And uh, there were quite a few of us there. And we all turned to the Western Point and we all saw this shooting star, which was incredible. And we all felt like we were in some kind of portal as well. So yeah, I have to say that was an incredible experience. Yeah, like as a collective group, like divine timing and synchronicity, I call it. Like we all turn towards the West, we're invoking the Western direction. And then we're all like, wow, a huge fireball. It was very big. It was much bigger than a shooting star falling from the sky. If it happened, two, if we turned two seconds later, we wouldn't have seen it. So so many beautiful things, you know, that happened like that. Very gifted lady. Can you maybe tell us a little bit more about some of the retreats you're setting up and some of the kind of work that you're going to be doing there? Yeah, so um, at this point, I, I travel around and I offer a Mayan fire ceremony workshop. Um, so it's it's four days of learning all of the spirits and taking an inner journey because, again, they reflect our life path journey. And so it's a time to really go within and feel. And at the end of the three days of the fourth day, we have the Mayan fire ceremony. So again, then, then you are fully grounded in the tradition, you know what's going on, you've met the spirits, and then you're ready, you have all of your offerings, and you're ready to really have a strong pair, versus me just doing the ceremony and people not having any clue what's really going on, right? So it's really, it's really beautiful four day workshop that I bring to um, um, Austin, Texas, Sedona, Arizona, um, eventually, hopefully Boulder, Colorado. And um, down in Roatan, Honduras, I plan to eventually be planning, maybe not next year, but the year after, um, where I will be fusing this Mayan wisdom um, along with um, the Mayan fire workshop, along with yoga. So kind of like a, a whole week long retreat where yoga and Mayan wisdom and also psychology, because I can't go away from the fact that that's my background as well. So kind of like a self-development retreat. Um, also here in Ibiza, I do the workshops and eventually we'll be doing retreats here and also in Copenhagen, Denmark, and then anywhere else anybody wants to invite me to bring this. Um, and then also uh, I have two private practices here in Ibiza, so if people come through, get in touch with me. And I also do the Mayan astrology readings online long distance, so if anyone's interested in getting a traditional um, Mayan astrology reading the way the Mayans do it, then... Um, then I'm your woman. <laughs> 
Well, I'll make sure I'll put all the links for that in the podcast description for anyone who's interested in uh, connecting with you. We need to bring the podcast to a close now, but uh, any information or insight that you might want to give to people that might help to support people going through 2020? Yeah. So like you said, you noticed that this year was very intense for many people, and I I saw the same thing. Um, So I guess it's just... If, if all of, a lot of us, not all of us, a lot of us around the planet are feeling this, then there is an awakening happening. There is a shift happening. And my advice is probably just to seek, to seek tradition, to seek your whatever works for you. Yoga, meditation, mindfulness, therapy, reading books, taking walks, connecting to nature. But anything that, that's bringing you more and more into your authentic self, because that's what I really find is this sense of coming home to who you truly are, clearing out all of the paradigms and, and the mental and physical, emotional things that aren't really us that we just adopted through our domestication from society and from our wounding. It really is worth looking at that and um, aligning yourself again. And, and it's, it's not easy. So um, I just want to say that send out a, a prayer of, of strength for humanity and um, people listening to this right now that you're not alone and that we're in this together and sometimes it feels like we're far and far apart and no one understands but there there is a reason for um, what we're going through and sometimes it's really easeful and glorious especially when we have these shifts and awakenings and sometimes it gets really difficult Um, so um, remember there's a light at the other end of the tunnel (laughs) Well, thank you for those lovely words of wisdom. And yeah, I think what you said there is like, you're not alone. That's that, I think that's the really important thing. And that's probably the message that I wanted to get out on this podcast is just, just, just to people for people to know that you're not the only person going through this. And uh, I think sometimes, you know, reaching out and speaking to other people can can be a big help as well. And find finding the people that you connect with and you trust and that you, you feel comfortable to be able to talk to this stuff about and just knowing that there is support out there and that other people are going through it. And like Lena said, there is there is the light at the end of the tunnel because we are shifting into into something new, something bigger, something better, something where humanity can be more free. Um, and I think freedom is actually the freedom is the thing that our soul searches for, and it's the thing that we don't have in modern society. We think we're free, but we're not. Um, so I think a lot of the time we're kind of fighting against that imprisonment of our soul, of our, of our true self. So it's really time to to be free to let our true self come out to let our to let our true self shine and to and to play again and to yeah just to feel free so thank you so much again lena for that incredible insight into indigenous wisdom let's hope that some of our listeners can take that away with them thank you thank you for inviting me take care